Welcome back to our Read Scripture podcast, where we have thousands of people reading through the entire Bible together. And every week I just pull out a few points from our reading, and I'm just glad that more and more people are reading the Bible for themselves, rather than just taking people's word for it, rather than just accepting other people's teaching, it's so important that we read it for ourselves. Because there's a popular way of thinking out in the world. And and and, and that's why even in, in Acts, as we've been reading, remember Acts, way back in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached his first sermon, it says, you know, with many words, it says that he kept warning the people to save themselves from this crooked generation. It says in verse 40, save yourselves from this crooked generation. The whole point, even back then, even 2,000 years ago, Peter is saying, look, there's a majority way of thinking. And it's twisted. It's, it's crooked. It's based upon what we want rather than what God wants. And the whole idea is we need to save ourselves from that type of thinking, the popular thinking. And, and, and as you're reading the scriptures, it's not just about all these external influences that can cause you to uh, have the truth distorted, but you also have to pray about yourself. Because the truth is, is, is we all want certain things to be true. And so even as you're reading through the Bible, you have to be able to differentiate between what you want it to say and what it actually says. To be fair to the scriptures. Because the truth is, is a lot of what God writes is offensive to us. Um, and sometimes it grates against us. And so even when Paul was talking to uh, the Ephesian elders and in Acts chapter 20, he, he, he says in uh, verse 26, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. He, he, he's telling you, look, I'm not going to see you again. I'm leaving. This is probably the last time you'll ever see my face. He says, but I don't feel any guilt I feel like my conscience is clear because I told you everything. Even the stuff you didn't want to hear, I shared with you the whole counsel of God. I didn't shrink back. And uh, in fact, in verse 31, he says, Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. This is what Paul's life was about was let me tell you what God's word says. Let me show you where there's inconsistencies in your life. Let me admonish you even with tears. And when he was all done, he goes, I said it. I didn't hold anything back. And I think we can all look at relationships where we, where we held back, where we didn't tell them everything the scripture says. Um, because maybe sometimes we're ashamed of what he says, or, or sometimes we don't want to offend someone. But Paul says, my conscience is clear. Your blood is off of my hands because I laid it all out for you. So as, as you're reading, just uh, understand that, 
this isn't going to be popular. Um, and sometimes we'll even read the scriptures and wish it said something else. But the goal is to say, okay, Lord, I know that your thinking is different from my thinking. And I know that every thought that comes to my mind isn't true. And I know that everything that I feel isn't true. I want to read your word and hear what you have to say is truth. And so that's what Paul's life was all about as we read the end of the book of Acts, is he's just going from place to place, really defending himself, um, sharing uh, the whole counsel of God's word, sharing his testimony, and he just gets persecuted one place after the next. And at the end of the book of Acts, we find him in Rome, and that's where most people say he ended his life. And then we start reading the book of Romans. And for many, they see the book of Romans, and I, I might agree with this, as, as maybe the most important book of the Bible. Because while Paul has gone place to place preaching the gospel, here in the book of Romans, he actually elaborates on the book of uh, on the gospel. He explains it systematically. It's the longest of his letters. And uh, you, you see in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, Paul showed that by his life, right? He spent his whole life going everywhere, proclaiming the gospel. And here he's saying, I am not ashamed of it. It's interesting. This was, this was the first verse I was asked to memorize. I think back in high school when my youth pastor was having us memorize verses. This was the first one. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I think he wanted us to get that in our heads, get it in our minds, because it's so easy to be ashamed of the things that God teaches. Again, like we said, it's offensive. And so when the whole world is thinking or the majority of the people are thinking a certain way, it's very difficult to go, you know what? I actually... Don't believe that. Here's what I believe. Here's what I see in Scripture. Um, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of it because it's the power of God for salvation. This is the truth that saves people. This is, this is what controls their eternal destiny is whether or not they embrace this message. So Paul says, that's why I'm not ashamed of it. I've got to go and teach it to everyone that I can. And uh, in verse 18, he says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. These are not popular words. The wrath of God. I mean, we live in a time when people don't even want to believe in that anymore. And yet Paul's saying the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
See, it's, 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 it's about desire. It's about an unrighteous desire. When you want something, then you'll do everything to suppress what is contrary to that. And Paul says, the wrath of God is coming because people know what, it's right, what is right, but they suppress the truth. In fact, in verse 19, he says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Paul says this is why the wrath of God is happening. He says, because ever since God created this world, he says, you could look at what was made and you could see his invisible attributes. You could see his eternal power and divine nature. He goes, just look at nature. Look at creation. Look at the world. Think about the fact that I am speaking to you right now and you are understanding it as a human body. Think about everything in your body that has to work just perfectly so that you could be breathing right now, listening, thinking. Just take a walk outside and look at this world. And the Bible says that everyone can look at the things that have been made and know that there's a creator that we're all without excuse. Even though it's been hammered into you ever since you entered school, there is no God. This is all an accident. It just kind of happened. He says, no, everyone is without excuse because you can look and you can see God through creation. But verse 21 says that though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So this is the this is the problem. It's not that people sure it could be that some don't believe in God. He says but the truth is is most people do know that there's a God but they suppress that. But the issue is not just whether or not you believe in God because in verse 21 it says for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. See, they knew God. They knew who he was. They knew he existed. And, and this, is, this is important because nowadays we have so many people who say, oh, I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in God. But that's not the issue. Like James says, the demons in hell believe in God. They know there's a God. The issue is, though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. You see it again in verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So why is the wrath of God being revealed against mankind? Why is God's judgment coming? It's not because people don't believe that he exists. It's because they don't honor him. And it's because they, they choose to serve 
the creature rather than the creator. See, we were created by God and we were created to serve him, to honor him, to thank him. And God's wrath is coming and saying, look, that's what I made you for. I made you for me. I made you to serve the creator. But it says that God, that people exchange that type of thinking and they would rather serve themselves. They wake up in the morning and they don't think, God, what do you want of my life? They wake up every day and say, no, it's about me. It's about the creature. It's not about the creator. It's about honoring me, my desires, rather than thanking him and serving him. They serve the creature. And I just want you to listen to the next verses. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Just read it for yourselves. Don't let people tell you what it says. Just read it for yourselves. What does it say in black and white? And sure, we can twist it and we can make these verses say anything. I'm just saying, what is the obvious, simple reading of these scriptures? You have in uh, Romans chapter 2, and this, this is where you don't just read it to gain information, but, but with everything, we've got to make it personal and say, okay, God, because I read this, what does this mean to me? Like Romans 2, verse, verse 4, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of God's wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Again, these are things that you're not going to hear uh, by turning on your television or by talking to peers at work or, or even listening to, to, to popular preaching. And that's why it's read the whole counsel of God's word. He's talking about this day of wrath where there's going to be wrath and fury for those who are self-seeking. Those who are self-seeking in, in contrast to those who are seeking what God wants, seeking to honor him, seeking to bring glory to his name. And, and for those who think that they're getting away with something, that's why he says in, in verses 4 and 5, he says, don't you understand that's the kindness of God? 
God's been patient with you. Is don't you see that your that his kindness was supposed to lead you to repentance? Like you should see, gosh, he's been so patient with me. I, I see, I see the evil of my way now. He says, so turn from it. But if you don't turn from it, what you're doing is you're storing up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And so this is for all of us. It's for all of us to look at our lives and go, God, am I in tune with what your word says that I'm not just here for myself. I'm not here to just do whatever feels good. And the challenge is to go against what everyone else is thinking because you believe there's actually a day of judgment coming. And because God's been patient, because he's been loving, and because he's held back his wrath, it gives us time to turn. And, and then you have in, in chapter 3, this is where we just want to camp out. If there's one thing you get from this, I mean, it's, it's, it's Romans chapter 3. First of all, in verse 4, he says, Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. Let God be true. So, so let God be true, even if that means everyone else is lying. It really doesn't matter if, Sarah, if every single human being on the earth agreed, that doesn't make it true. What God says is true. And so Paul says, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. And then in verse 19, he says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. He says God has a law. It doesn't matter what everyone else thinks is right or wrong. He says the law was written so that every mouth may be stopped. All of us that are bragging, oh, I'm a good person. I think I'm a good person. I think it's okay to do this. I think it's okay. He says, you know what? The law just shuts everyone up. That's the point of it. It doesn't matter if the whole world agrees. This is what God says. And one day the whole world will be accountable based upon the law. The law opens our eyes to our own sinfulness. And he says in verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He's that all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God will show you his law. His law is written in your heart. He's going to show you that you actually knew what was right and what was wrong. And you chose to suppress the truth so you could go and do what you felt like doing. And he says, everyone has done this. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've missed the mark. Fall short of the glory of God and are justified. The only way we can be justified. It's not by making up for it, by doing good works. He says we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Don't miss this. None of us are going to be able to stand before God based upon our righteousness, based upon our works, and say, God, I deserve to go to heaven because I'm a good person. The Bible makes it so clear in those first chapters of Romans that no one's going to be able to say that. And yet, this is what the whole world is saying. I'm a good person. Why should God let you in heaven? Because, well, I'm a good person. I'm not like Hitler. I'm not like this person or that. I'm a good person. And yet, what the scripture is saying over and over again is look at the law. No one's going to be righteous because of the law. We've all fallen short. And yet, he says the only way you can be justified is by his grace. It's a gift, he says through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's only through Jesus redeeming you. God put him forth. God put him forth as a payment. He was the one that was going to pay for your sins. He says this way, God could justify you and still be just. You see, we've all offended God. And if he's a just, a fair God, just like any other fair judge, he has to punish when you commit a crime. But the way that God could justify or free us and, and cleanse us was not by saying, you know what, I'm just going to let it go. He says, because that would be unjust. But instead, he had his son pay for our crimes on that cross. And so it's true belief in that it's a gift. It's a gift from God, this justification. It's a, a gift from God, what he did through Christ so that he could be just and still we could stand before him justified at the end. Even though for many of us, for all of us, at one point, we just served the creature. We just served ourselves. And we deserved God's wrath every bit of it, according to the scriptures. And that may not go with what you feel or what you think, but that's the whole point of reading scripture, is in humility we're saying, you know what, maybe I shouldn't believe everything I think. Maybe I can't believe everything I feel. I've been wrong many times. And so we go to God's word, we read it, and he says, you're not a good person. You have sinned against me. I'll show you my law and it will stop every mouth. But I loved you and I provided a way of escape for you. And I had my son pay for your crime so that it could be fair. And at the same time, you could be forgiven. And I just hope that everyone that's listening to this and everyone who read those passages this week not only believes this, but came before God and just thanked him. 
thanked him, just spent some time worshiping him. In fact, even now, the only proper response to Romans chapter 3 is just worship. Get alone. Take advantage of the fact that Jesus made a way for us to come to God. And now come into his presence and just thank him.